Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman, Johnny Beattie, and former France soccer, Benjamin Kayser. Between the pair of you, you had all the quarterfinal action covered on various broadcasters this weekend, so we will look back at that shortly, as well as ahead to the mouth-watering looking semi-finals this weekend, and we'll be joined by one of Toulouse's heroes as well, after they made it through against Munster in that rarest of scenarios in rugby, penalty shootout. But, whole band's back together this week, so how are you doing? Good, really good. Um, the the weather is is good. I'm I'm becoming English now. You know, the first question, that, my first answer is always, oh, "What's well, the weather? It's not it's raining." Nice. To be fair, it's more than not raining. It's 15 degrees, which means it's suns out, guns out, barbecue time, beers everywhere. But no, no, good. The girls, the girls are happy. Uh, wife is happy. Of course, a new 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 house probably is is going to happen. So I'm. I'm the only one that's miserable about the whole thing, but <laughs> you're paying for it, mate. That's why, <laughs> exactly. But uh, no, no, mate. Uh, um, you know, one of those those moments where a lot of grind, a lot of work, but everything's good. Everything's happy. Everybody's healthy. And the weekends of rugby have been, have been really cool. I must say, I, I really enjoyed them. Johnny's laughing his head off there. Fifteen degrees. <laughs> we just, just cleared out our swimming pool because it's 29 here at the end of the week so we're uh, yeah, to rub it in uh, but yeah same life is good everyone's happy everyone's healthy the sun is shining the grand bleu as they call it in these parts is back um, so no summer's coming boys I'm excited uh, and like you said Benji the rugby's been great it was my first visit to Paris and the defence arena at the minute which I'm sure we'll get onto but what a place did they have um, did they have a little statue for me or not is that not still there <laughs> 100% record that the U Arena, apologies, I only went there one once, you know, you know, so not a lot of guys can say they've got a 100% record that the U Arena. Did you go to the nightclub after you won there or not? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. It was like second game of the season when it was barely getting started. But uh, no, it is, it's, it's a weird place. Like I was, it's a weird place. It's not a rugby stadium, but it's a, it's one of those incredible venues. And we played, I remember, first week of September, probably the second game of the season. So it's roasting hot outside and you walk in and there's air con and it's pitch black dark. You it's feel weird, like, eh? in a, you know, when you're in a casino, you don't really know what's going on and you need windows. You need, sometimes you need to, bit of this, bit of that. But the, 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 I was scared shitless about the turf. And it's actually spectacularly good. Uh, they really have made a, have had a lot of work done on it. And Yannick Nyonga, who's the team manager, was telling me that they, they can de- decide which... Um, it's like a mattress that they put down, like a carpet. And they can decide how high they want it. They've just got the right balance at the moment that they think is perfect. It is it is spectacular. It makes the quality of rugby spectacular. It's by a mile, the pitch, if you want to call it a pitch, on which there are the most uh, tries that are scored. It's not just Racing, who are a very much fast-paced, open rugby um, type of team. It's also oppositions that, that love mm-hmm. it. And I was speaking to Yannick actually this morning for something completely different. And I was asking him, like, is, is it fair to say that Racing's pack is particularly small. <laughs> like yeah. I've, I haven't seen them like this. You know, the, we've spoken about him a couple of times, Batiste Shuznu, who's a really good number six yeah. and played for Bayern. He's playing lock for them. And, and you've said, listen, it's a mix of a couple of things. For one, and it was a pretty good, you know, um, way of thinking it. It's like, look, you can consider that it's basically like summer rugby. You need to be fast, 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 fast. Then... When you play in September, when you play in May, in most clubs in which you go to, it is also going to be fast-paced. So basically, why would you build a forward-thinking, not a forward, a forward-orientated, slow, massive, big old pack if it's going to be for three potential games where you're going to have to play in the rough, in the mud, 
uh, of Breve, of Grenoble if they're here, of I don't, I don't even know who else I could think of, you know, but all those teams that could be a little bit tougher. It's a fair point. So actually, you know, it, it's it, you probably sacrifice technically sacrificing, I don't know, three games that you might not uh, put yourself in, in the best position for. So it's a real tactic of theirs. So it's it's not going to change. They're going full to in that direction. It's weird, though. I asked him the same question before the game. I caught him a little bit. And he said as well, like, you take that idea, but then they're applying it to knockout rugby. Like, this is one off. Heineken Cup, like you're in a quarter final, you don't play around. And he was like, look, we've got Shu who calls line out, but how much faith as well they have in the three boys that play in the back row, Diallo, Tanga mm. and Laurie, how they all compete for ball, how they're so effective, how they generate quick and turnover ball crucially for that back line that they feed. They're like, once they're gone, they're gone. And that's it. They set the stall, they've got the strategy um, and it's working. Like Strangely for them, you mentioned Shu, my old teammate at Bayonne, he completely broke his collarbone the weekend. So that's mm. him gone for the rest of the season. So they'll have to think of something different, but yeah, an amazing place. Like you get in there, it's honestly like entering in an alien spacecraft with a rugby field stuck in the bottom of it. Like mm. it's incredible. What a place to play. Yeah, if you're Teddy Toma or Juan Imov or you're not, if you're, you or me, <laughs> you're Benjamin Gaze, mate, you don't want to go there. I was happy. One one hit wonder and I'm done. Why did Tammy Funa leave, mate? It's, it's for a reason. It's not made for us. And on the game itself, Sale so were banging it at half time, but they were blown away in the second half. Was it just a case of wrestling being a lot more clinical or what happened? Not sale to be fair to them were extremely physical in the first half. And they compl- again, we just mentioned how light Rassing were. When they were taking the ball to the gain line and multi-phase and trying to bosh their way through, it wasn't working. And then they were just throwing the ball wide and, and, and turning the ball over themselves. But sale played the game in the right area. They just couldn't convert that many points in that first half. But the physicality from the Dupria boys, from Tom Curry, from even guys like Faf de Clare, like Manu. and Manu as well. But like fat little Faf, Faf's tackles on Camille Shat, Camille Shat. Like incredible stuff. And then once the game broke up, Sale got a little bit looser with their kicking game and their chase in the second half. And that's it. Once you give Teddy Thomas, like Max Spring, somebody we haven't spoken about too much, Nolan Lagarek, these boys who are young kids with some serious talent mixed in with your Gilfikus, your Finns, you give these guys time and space on the ball and you get punished. And that's what they got in the second half. So, you know, a really good, solid first half performance for Sale. That would have been their first semi final ever. In European competition, they didn't quite have the gas, but they they really did stick in it well first half. But Rassing just shifted gear second half and uh, and really pulled away. I think there'll be worrying bits for Rassing looking ahead to their next games in terms of physicality and work on that game line, especially their scrum, which was not functioning well until Nyakani came off the bench. So um, again, are there any are there any better than Teddy Thomas, Finn Russell, Max Spring, these boys on that type of field with turnover ball and quick ball and quick thinking? They were absolutely sensational. So a big second half from them and uh, on they march. Yeah, yeah, Yannick said he's particularly worried about that size element of the fourth pack against La Rochelle because they're yep. going to be seriously tested and it's not going to be on AstroTurf, right? It's going to, They're going to have to play in Lens. So that, that, will be, that will be special. But he also mentioned that, yes, the second half, they got blown away by, by the speed of, of those guys. But if you looked in the first half, whenever they were started, starting to use the physicality to smash in the defense, but also relying a lot on some kicking game sale, they were counterattacked by a little, you know, a little crazy man, which is Nolan Logarek. How good. And so every time they were trying to slow down, there was this one pace setter in the middle that just uh, took them out of breath. And I think he basically sucked all the energy out of sales, out of sales sharks that just didn't allow them to, to use their, how do you say that? They were using their strength with only half the tank of energy, if you know what I mean. So they were lowering the their, their general strength just by, by outpacing them all the time. And that was at the base. Nolan Lugarek counterattacking, running around, tapping go. Uh, and then in the, in the second half, it just opened up and they killed him. Do you know why the games we moved to Lens? It's a yeah. concert, Section d'Assaut. Section d'Assaut. So Ed Sheeran's already stuffed up Munster. Again, <laughs> if you're not in France, not many people will know Section d'Assaut, but look up Section d'Assaut and My Direction. That's one of the songs that defines my time in France and my arrival. <laughs> a great song. But that's why they have to come play a neutral venue because another concert is scuppering it. It's, it's not a rugby pitch. It's a concert hall in which you can play rugby from time to time. <laughs> exactly. But they've created something. They've created a, a system. You have to you have to give it to them. That sort of works and economically makes sense. And we'll come on to the semi-final a bit later on, but that could have a big impact, I guess. They would prefer it to be at the Fonts Arena. It's, it's a big, big change. It's a big blow. Uh, they are worried now they can apply sort of the same strategy to La Rochelle. If you can out take them out of breath, you know, and, and, and make them force them to empty the tank by just playing super fast pitch, um, fast pace rugby, will it work as well? Not indoors. It just depends on the conditions. If it's bucking it down on the rain, oh my, they're not lucky. Basically, that's just as simple as that. And you mentioned Ed Sheeran, Johnny Munster were at the Aviva because of him. They nearly did it, but what a finish. Are you a fan of penalty shootouts in rugby? And 
do you like the fact that it's just three kickers now? You know, the, just the best three kickers you pick, they kick twice, or did you prefer it when you and Benji might have got to have a go? <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't have preferred that. I'd have been kicking my breeks. I also don't really enjoy, I, I, ju- I just don't think it's a good way to finish a game. I think there's so much going into slugging it out that it's a really short and cruel way to, to end the game. How would you do it? I would love to see it go to see, like they play until somebody scores a try. I thought you were going to say in the bar afterwards or something. No, but I'm like, you <laughs> want to see, like, again, it was so tight and so well fought and so close. I think that to separate it by penalty kicks and somebody missing a penalty kick, such a shame. And you could see as well, Roman Intermac, as he celebrated, is like, he didn't have a clue what was going on either. I was completely lost watching it. I mean, I, I like the adaptation and the, and the change. The variation is good. It's more specific to specialist kickers, but if you're a side that doesn't have specialist kickers, then what's the point? So, like personally, I would rather see the game continue. They play until there's like almost like the golden goal it used to be with football. Like go to the golden try, extra extra time, and then the first person to score a try. Um, I think that'd be much fairer. But again, other guys that look cool, like Antoine Dupont, how cool did he look stepping up again? Like no worries, no stress, just gets on with it. It doesn't matter what it is, if it's competing for ball, if it's his distribution, having an insane kicking game. The guy's just an extraterrestrial, like freak show. So if you've got Antoine on your team as a second, third choice kicker, fair play. But like generally, the way they fought their way back into the game, set piece drive, Matisse LaBelle, foundation bits like the scrum, how they destroyed Monster Scrum in the last 20, 30 minutes that brought them back into the game. It was one hell of a fight back. But yeah, in terms of the how they finished, it's not for me. I like. I did not enjoy. Didn't enjoy watching it. It stresses me watching it, even if I'm not there or not part of it. So I can't imagine for the boys to have to take those kicks. I'd rather see it finished a different way. A small word for the director, who's a guy called Yolo, by the way. That shot of Antoine Dupont, the kick that ended up winning it, him just walking away like the Terminator. It's <laughs> good. The Terminator, the T1000. I'm not sure which one, but he's he's cool, man. I don't know how he does it. Week after week, the boy's a freak. What do you reckon, Benji? Penalty shootout? You have to. I mean, I, I would love to see the, the the golden buzzer, golden rule, whatever. But, mate, you, you have to, for player, for the energy, you can't do that. You can't ask players to play more than 100 minutes. And if it goes to 120, whatever, it's just not possible. So it's not physically possible. And that would be just taking the piss. Um, I don't mind the penalty shootouts because I never had to take one. And I don't mind because I thought we saw, we saw Stefan Armitage. So I don't like the new thing of the three kickers. I don't like that because like I said, that's particularly cruel and they're, they're, they're sort of meant to put them. So it's almost humiliating them a little bit. Stefan Hermitage, if anything, if he loses, you're only human. And if you make it, you're a legend. I prefer that one. But listen, it's, it's not an easy scenario. I think both teams have the opportunity to snatch it even before the, the uh, uh, overtime. Uh, I didn't see much of the second half because I was getting ready for the, for the La Rochelle game. But, but I saw the first half and that was not far from being the best 40 minutes I've seen of rugby for a long, long time. Just both teams going at it, bouncing back, you know, scoring, 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 scoring. So Munster just just beaten by a little bit better, uh, but huge huge um, intensity in the rucks. Peter Maoni, you know, coming in with 10 steals in total in the competition. He's just an animal. But Toulouse, a bit like in the Ulster game, are, are out of this world at deciding, right, how long? What, we need to score a try? All right, fine. Nine out, blah, 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 45 seconds, they do it. And it just feels that whenever they decide to score a try, they will score a try. So in open play, they'll drop the ball, they'll do this, they'll do that. But as soon as you give them like, a, it, you know, it's almost like a free kick with David Beckham in the good old days. You're like, yeah, it, it, there's there's a big chance that it goes in. Whereas everybody else goes for the header or whatever. For them, it's 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 almost normal. I still don't recognize Toulouse as being the same Toulouse as last year and stuff. But whenever they decide to stick their heads at it, they're just unstoppable. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Let's get our guest on now then, and we can have a chat with a man who I'm sure was absolutely desperate to step up and join in that penalty drama at the Aviva on Saturday. <laughs> to lose centre, Peter Aki joins us. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. Is that right? Were you fourth in line? Yeah, no, I was, I was definitely, uh, I was probably third in line, but uh, Antoine Dupont uh, took, the, took the reins on that one. Had a, had a tight, tight hamstring after 100 minutes, so <laughs> not complaining. Did you have a clue what was going on? Because I didn't watching the game from here and Roman Intermax celebrated after he knocked the third over. So how much yeah. did you boys understand or did you need explanation after full time or how did it get communicated? I I, I honestly didn't have a clue because uh, I remember <laughs> watching uh, the Prodi 2. With Steph Armitage and Biarritz going yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So that was a little bit different, I think, the the format of that. So I thought I thought I was actually going to have to kick or or the likes of uh, Rodrigo Neti and Piotr Movaka were going to have to step up uh, but um, that wasn't the case. They said uh, it's just three kickers, and, and uh, someone explained to me on the sideline what was happening. So I was like, "Oh wow, I didn't know that." We were chatting about it before. Johnny was like, "You couldn't get me anywhere near a penalty kick. Not interested. I'd <laughs> rather play forever until the game started." Benji preferred the old style of like yeah. everyone gets a go. What do you reckon? Would you have liked to seen Big Joe Takori take a kick? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, he actually tried to to take a kick after the game was finished, or while the the place kicks uh, were finished. How did it go? I, I didn't look. Um, I was, uh, I, I think I was down on uh, my knees after. Like it was, it was tough. So, mate, the first the first time this happened was two thousand and nine. Heine- it was Heineken Cup at the time. Leicester Tigers Cardiff. And I, w- I was playing for Leicester at the time, and I was the guy just after. And nobody practiced, nobody did anything, but we won it super. Went back and on the Monday at training pitch, that Richard Cockrell, he got all the boys who were going to be after, right? Lined them up on the 22 to kick him in front. Man, I thought I was good. I sliced it. I put it on on the line on the on the touch flag. Corner flag. That's how bad on the corner flag. That's how bad I missed. Not one guy <laughs> could actually do it. I put bar from Julian White. You don't remember him? Tight head yes, for England yeah. with yes. a massive schnoz. You're not telling me he was a great kicker, are you? He did. No, he's not a great kicker. He did not move. <laughs> he was literally next to it. It just went boom. You know, no, we, I, point out, I don't know how you say that, you know, just with the tip of your, of your foot. So I reckon back would have done, Joe would have done it probably, you know, I don't know, moon, moon, moonwalking. He would have done him moonwalking. He would have tried to. Yeah, no, I, I'd, I'd back him too. Um, Cause uh, after every training, uh, he has like one or two, two goes, two <laughs> shots at goal. Uh, and he says, oh, this is for Samoa, for Samoa, World Cup, World Cup final. <laughs> uh, Poor old Joe, we're all feeling sorry for him now. He's bound out at the end of the season. He could have gone out in the best fashion possible, kicking the winner. Yeah, I think he would have loved that too. In all seriousness, you think you would have been next in line? You would have been the fourth after Antoine? No, no, there's no chance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I'd, I'd back myself to kick, but I think... Uh, there's guys that, that actually kick, like uh, Baptiste uh, Germain and, 
Uh, I think Matisse, uh, he's handy with, with the boot. So they would have been in line uh, before me. And talking about the game itself, we were chatting a bit about it there. Benji mentioned Peter Omani was an absolute menace at the breakdown. So yeah. how did you guys see it? Because it might just be a consequence of the, the way you play, but there were a lot of turnovers in that game, weren't there? Yeah, uh, we actually highlighted that um, that part of his game during the week. Uh, when I watched the game um, again today and yesterday, it was just like a split second thing. Uh, so it would be hard on attack and, and our forwards would like make a metre of gain line and it's just that split second. Someone uh, misses the clean and he's already on the ball. So he's 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 absolutely quick um, on the ball and, and hard to move. What's the focus on the week? Is it because obviously Leinster are a proper mountain, right? They're they're going to be proper complicated. But I don't think you guys are in the same flow as you used to be last year. But when you decide to switch on, you're the only team, I think, in the world who can say, right, what well, we've got to score one try and we can go. And it just seems you guys seem to be unstoppable when you just put your mind to it. Is it a is it a so is it a sense of saying we just need to focus on us? Whatever happens, the opponent is going to be incredible. It's a semi-final of Champions Cup away or from home, whatever. So is it more focused on, on, on yourselves of being more consistent, just cut out the little bits and pieces that you can to get back to that to more consistency, or is it focusing on Leinster and what they can bring? No, I think you've just Nailed it on the head is just pretty much focus on ourselves, um, iron out the, the little errors that, that we make during uh, crucial moments. And I think uh, because everyone says uh, that there's a Toulouse sort of style, like we like to play up and stuff like that. And, uh, and like we do, we, but I think we just got to be better at um, choosing our moments and uh, choosing uh, what, what part of the field um, we like to play up or, or stuff like that. And like, we, we can use our, like our game players, they, they can kick. So the guys, the likes of uh, Roman and, and Antoine Dupont and Tomo Ramos just, just taking the reins and getting us at the, the right ends, ends of the park. And, and then we can just roll up the sleeves and, and work from there. So uh, it's, it's finals footy, it's knockout rugby. So we got to keep it simple and put the pressure on them pretty much. And it seems when it's simplistic, like some of what you do, well, always has been over the past two, three seasons of time you've been there, but it's excellent when you decide to click into gear and attack properly. Take, for example, the, you know, the lineup breakout try, Mackie Slabelle going through. Like That's well-worked, awesome-looking rugby. But there have been times this season, like an understanding, like with Jerome retiring, with Uge retiring, some big names going, a little bit lighter squad may feel. Is there a real need to sort of buckle down like a few games left? It almost looks like you're running out of gas, but when you click, you can win it from anywhere. So let's just bust the gut and finish on high for the boys that are finishing this season as well. Yeah, I guess uh, when you lose um, that experience, uh, the likes of, who you said, uh, Jerome and, and uh, Huge, and even the likes of uh, Cheslin Colby, you lose a little bit of experience. So it's, it's good to see, you know, the young bucks uh, getting some game time in these high-pressure games um, and to see see uh, Matisse step up on the weekend uh, was, was, was pretty good. I hope uh, that that the young boys will, will grow from that uh, that game because it was pretty stressful uh, and it was a tough game. And what will training be like this week? Is it ultra light? Because we're hearing you know, like Max Medard limped off towards the end of the game. Dalit Bezjerman as well, all struggling a little bit physically. So do you think they'll be likely to feature this weekend? Is it a case of just going through, again, you talked about focusing on yourselves, not so much focusing on Leinster, but get to team run, get through, do as light as possible and then just try and fly the weekend? Yeah, I, I think uh, that's like tomorrow is going to be real, real uh, chilled out, uh, clarity based. Um, and I guess um, I wouldn't say uh, Leinster's the same, uh, you know, kettle of fish as, as Monster, but um, they're really good at, at what they do. Uh, they play simple, but everyone's on the same page. Uh, everyone's moving. So we'll be look, looking at film pretty much tomorrow, Wednesday's off, and uh the big day uh, is, is a double day on, on Thursday before we fly out. Would you say there's a sort of appreciation for the fact that Leinster are clearly a little bit better than Munster as well? Like from the outside, I think most people would say it's a bigger test. You guys feel that as well in camp? Um, I, I, I think everyone everyone would think that like uh, from the outside in, um, you know, they've won a lot of championships uh, in the last 10 years or, or so. They, they've got a big um, group that play for for the Irish team and uh they got 
probably one of the best tens uh, for the last uh, decade in uh, Johnny Sixton. So he'll be pretty good. I think by all accounts, they weren't too happy about you being the first to five titles last year as well. So they, they've got the bit between their teeth this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So they'll be out to out to get us or out to, to chase uh, the, the fifth star. Listen, the guys were pros. They're talking about your preparation during this week, looking ahead to the tactics this weekend. I want to keep it real. I was in Dublin Airport after the game and saw a whole stream of forwards going to Burger King before it shut. <laughs> did you manage to get anything? Antoine Dupont, I think, was probably having some something a lot more healthy, but what did you manage? <laughs> I, I was actually uh, next door at, at the bar getting a, getting a, a nice pint of Guinness because um, it's it, I heard uh, it's nicer and the Guinness is nicer in Ireland than, than anywhere else in the world. So, How did it compare normally at Brennan Snug, aren't you? That's the place for yeah, Guinness and Toulouse? Yeah, that's where we ended up um, when we got back. Uh, most of the boys uh, went to Brennan's because um, Trevor said that he'll put on a bar tab, but all the boys went there and had a few Magnus and Fogwa because the kitchen was closed. So yeah, it was, it was pretty a pretty relaxed night and everyone just went home. It was all they had left was the foie gras. <laughs> we had to eat <laughs> nah, it. Nah. <laughs> and mate, we'll see you over the next few weeks of you um, if you need them again. But talk us through the uh, the ski goggles last year, because for me that was the photo oh. of the year of the celebrations <laughs> after finals last year. Talk us through them. Was that your idea? You smuggle them in the bag on the on the way to the game? Was it pre-planned? How did that work out? Yeah, no, that that was my American friend uh, David. I knew he thought it'll be a, it'll be a, a cool idea, and I said, oh man, like I don't want to jinx anything. Like uh, if we get the goggles, like we have to win, and he's like, yeah, no, come on, like. Uh, have some faith, like believe in yourself. I was like, oh, and um, we we got themselves me, David, Emmanuel, Mefu, uh, and uh, Cheslin. We we all went to the store, and uh, everyone was like looking at us, like, oh, what are these guys doing in a in a ski shop? <laughs> I told the missus uh, what I was up to, and she's like, man, you better. Her exact words were, you better like if and when, like, <laughs> or else. Uh, I said, well. If, even if we don't win, no one's, no one's going to know that I bought them. So. And obviously your missus knows a thing or two about rugby. Um, she comes from fair pedigree herself. So are you debriefing games together? Because she's a smart rugby player as well, right? Yeah, no. She's, she doesn't like talking um, about my games, but just sometimes like uh, if it's a late game and I, and I get home and she's awake, the kids are asleep, uh, she watches the game with me um, straight away and stays up. I uh, have a few beers and, and just watch the game. And she says, oh, what, what's what's happening here? What's happening there? Just stuff like that. But she's not really a, a critic. Johnny mentioned that trying to get through to the end of this season. It's always this time of year, particularly for top 14 clubs. It's a grind, lots of games, banged up bodies. Just looking ahead, we won't actually look ahead to next season. You've got a lot of work to be done in the next few games, but... Johnny mentioned the departures last year. Some of the incomings this year for other sides who see you playing as well as you are now, mm. Jamine, Capuzzo, Retier, Barassi. I mean, God help us next year, eh? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite nice, eh? Uh, some of the boys, the names that are that are coming over, it'll it'll be different. Um, I think uh, it's it's going to be a bigger loss, um, you know, losing the experience of, of Max and, uh, and Joe, uh, especially Joe, uh, just, you know, the culture-wise, he's... Is a big part of uh, this team, and I guess uh, someone will just have to step into his shoes and, and uh, take that role on. Do you fancy it? Nah, nah, it's, it's not me. I'm, I'm probably too quiet. Probably, probably uh, Emmanuel. I, Manny, I, think, or, I was gonna say, mate, uh, Manny. He's, he's the same mold. Yeah, so I, I think uh, him or, or Rodrigue, Rodrigue Neti. But you've been there four years now. And you've got a couple of years left in your contract, like you've just re-signed. So yeah. it must feel like home because the way you play, the way you settle in the side, you look like you're having a great time. So does it now feel like home to lose in France? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, my my family love it here. My, my two girls go to, to a good school and, and they love it. So uh, yeah, Toulouse is definitely, definitely home for us here in France. And everyone on the outside will want to know because they're two of the most talked about players on the planet. You play directly outside them. Give us an insight what it is like to play with Antoine Dupont on Roman Entomite. Oh, it's, I think it speaks for itself. Um, you see it every weekend. Uh, some of the stuff they do is just out of this world. Uh, all I have to do is um, give them uh, some calls on the outside or see where the space is and just, just try to let them know. But uh, 
other than that, just that's just them. Get on their shoulder, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And personality-wise, how do they compare? No, they're they're both quiet, eh? They're both quiet, like off the pitch. They like to keep to themselves, but Antoine Dupont, he's he's a uh, he likes to to have a little joke here and there. I know it doesn't look like it, but he, he's a he's a little bit of a joker. And on the pitch, you mentioned Johnny Sexton earlier on. He is about as vocal as you can get on a rugby yeah. pitch, bossing his men around. What's Roman Entomac like? He's pretty vocal um, at trainings, but you know, I've I've heard stories about uh, about Johnny and what he's like at, at trainings and stuff. Uh, but uh, Roman's nowhere near that. Uh, from what I've heard. Give him another 12 or 13 years. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> a word on Ugo Moller, because he's had to cope with a lot since he moved there. He didn't go well straight away. Yeah. There's a special sort of culture around Toulouse and he's done a hell of a job in sort of rebuilding the club. He's been help, helped by some of the talent he's got there, obviously. So just a word on the job he's done, what he's like as a boss, how hands-on he is and the culture generally at Toulouse. Yeah, no, he's he's done a good job. I think uh, he's he's got a got a lot of um, good people around him, the likes of Clem and and Lolo, like uh, the defense coach. But then for me, I think for the for the boys, I think uh, the big part is um, is what Joe brings to the team off the field is uh, real important. Like he he tries to get all the families together, like uh, barbecues or before the season they. They get, they get all the families together for a family day and uh, he tries to drive that that off the field um, so it brings us a lot closer and I guess I guess uh, that's that's what I think Toulouse is all about it's just the, the family vibe and uh, togetherness um, and culture uh, that's that's a big thing and you sent Jerome Kane off on the shoulders of everyone last year we mentioned Johan Huge retired has it been spoken about amongst the players the desire I mean you mentioned Max Meda retiring as well he's a, a Toulouse legend but given the esteem that everyone holds Joe in has that been spoken about the desire to send him off with a trophy this year that was spoken about before the game um, in the weekend as uh, you know just chasing uh, another title we don't want to be the champions of of last season that, that fall in the quarters so because I'm not very, my French is not very good. So this is what I picked up of what uh, Hugo <laughs> said, be, said before the game. So um, pretty much just saying, uh, you know, guys that have played here in France for a long time, we need to give them a good send off. We need to, you know, put our bodies on the line and, and just just give it our all. Because if we lose, then there's no tomorrow. It's it's knockout stages. So I think that's pretty much uh, what he said. So do it for Joe, and they're also going to offer him a job to be chair of the social committee and look after everyone next year. I love it. Um, a quick word on international rugby as well, because you've played under 20 level for Tonga and then yep. New Zealand 20s and then seven, so you're tied for now. But with the rule changes, would you look at re-representing Tonga again or potentially another country that might be more local? What would your thoughts be on international rugby? I've always wanted to play for France, eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been in talks with... Um, with both uh, uh, coaches of, of both nations, uh, Tom and Samuel, but I think they're they're just giving me a little bit more time uh, just to discuss things uh, back at home because uh, my dad's Samuel and, and my mom's Tongan, so <laughs> I just wanna wanna have those uh, little conversations. Uh, <laughs> Who are you gonna upset? Who are you gonna yeah. let down? <laughs> Easy conversation. Who do you love best? You know. <laughs> Your mom oh, or your dad? Perfect. I'm, you know, it's like, a, oh, don't answer. Boy. Don't answer that. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we started this chat by talking about penalty shootouts and, and how to decide a game. Maybe that's it. Get them out in the backyard, set a post, <laughs> win some penalty shootout, play for them. Might be might be a, an option. Eh? Either way, the thought of representing one of those countries, which are both fabulous, at a World Cup next year is fairly epic. Yeah, no, it would be. Just to play in a World Cup would be... A big uh, tick off my list, uh, so it'll be cool. Good luck working all that out, speaking to mum and dad. Yeah, That's harder than a penalty shootout for sure. It is, it is. Thanks so much for coming on and um, fingers crossed it goes just as well at the Aviva this weekend, but maybe without the drama of a penalty shootout. Thanks, Best guys. luck, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Thank you. Very interesting, that. He was kind of keen to have a shot, kind of not keen, couldn't work it out, really. <laughs> 
I don't think you, I don't think you, neither you <laughs> want to tell us, but he didn't want to expand on it. You know, it's more, uh, it's, it's a complicated question. You, you, you're just happy when your team wins, right? You just, you want to do your best. You want to contribute, but at the same time, it's a bloody tough thing to, 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 to take on. So I think he's just being humble and chilled. Also interesting what you said, Benji, that you were next in line back in 2009. Oh mate, I was shitting myself. Well, I was going to say, what were you feeling? I was pooping myself in a serious way. Um, I've always had some some weird relationships with kicking. I don't know why. who decided that the hooker was meant to be the one that would hold the ball when it was wet and windy and you need to release it at the right time for, for the kickers and stuff. I always remember my first season. as a, I never did it when I was young because obviously when you're young, you know nobody holds the ball for the, the young kickers when you're in the 20s and all that. And because I jumped straight from the other twenties into the professional setup, oh. I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> and I just jumped into the team, and I was the young little muppet. You know, they would make me to do anything, and I, I remember that David Skrela was like, "Come on, come on, sit down, whatever." And I laid down on the wrong side. I was like, I was gonna get kicked in the face because I rolled on the right side. Ah, oh, the other one, okay, okay. And I didn't, I didn't know when you were meant to release the ball. Um, so I know you're asking me about, you know, whether I would want to kick or not, but I'm telling you that overall <laughs> kicking is just a bad experience for me because I, I remember letting go just at the wrong moment and I had some sort of a sticky thing on my finger, whatever it was, and I just moved the ball as I was lifting it and he misses it. And just on the big screen, I remember it was in Toulouse, Stade Francais Toulouse, Sunday, Sunday night, 9 p.m., you know, on sort of primetime TV. And all you could see is a zoom on David Skrilla's face screaming at me and me on the floor looking at him like, like, oh, <laughs> like, sorry. <laughs> oh, man. So kicking for me has always been atrocious uh, uh, taste to, uh, linked to it. So the, the the idea of me stepping up for a penalty shootout in the semi-final of Europe, no thank you. So on that exact note, you've been through it. Were you the happiest man in the stadium when Martin Williams missed that kick and you didn't have to uh, kick? No, it was the same atmosphere bar from Romain Tamak lifting his arms. It was the same atmosphere uh, as, the, as Antoine Dupont. It was so weird. We didn't make a sound because you f- almost felt bad. So when Williams lost, everybody was more shocked than happy. You're like, shit, because we thought he was going to nail it. There's some good kickers that missed it. And for us, it was the 22 in front of the sticks. We had Johnny Murphy, who was a really good kicker, and he just sliced it. Uh, Martin Williams, we were like, yeah, for sure, he's going he's gonna to nail it. And he, and he sliced it. So if anything, as soon as we won, we obviously jumped on. It was us. It was Jordan Crane, number eight, that went to Bristol afterwards, who nailed the last kick. And everybody's jumped on him and stuff. And then you turn, you turn around. And all of everybody, oh, all right, and they just go and shake everybody's hands. Hard luck, you know what are you gonna say? No, no. So there was no super, super celebrations on the pitch. There was more in the change rooms, obviously, but you almost felt bad for the blokes. You're like, sorry, you know, we, somebody's got to win. And we haven't spoken about the all French clash between La Rochelle and Montpellier. You were on commentary for that, Benji. So, what'd you make yeah. of it? Um, it was a good game. It was a good game. It was a packed um, Marcel de Flandre as usual. The sun was out. Um, they're a buzzing team at the moment, La Rochelle. They really have something special about them. They remind me of a beautiful yellow and blue club, you know, called Clermont-Ferrand. It really is sort of the, <laughs> the copy of it. It's true. In the good old days, that's, that's the buzz that was about. There's a special atmosphere in the stands. They play in a special way. You could tell they're definitely up for it. They've got the right amount of uh, balance between pure power and just fast pace. Uh, they've got a coach or coaches when John Gibbs was there. But now a coach, definitely Ronald O'Gara, who you could tell he's up for that competition. He's giving me giving him a, a bit of strategic edge. Uh, I think it was always, there was no chance that Montpellier ever going to win that one. They were dominated from minute one to minute 80. But La Rochelle made a couple of mistakes that just allowed um, Montpellier to come back. For one, they didn't seize every single opportunity that there was given to them. Then they started making, getting penalized in, in the ruck for no reason. Montpellier was going from touch to touch, driving more scores, a drive just before halftime. And after 45 seconds of the in the second half, they just um, shit um, a high ball reception. Bourgarit, I think, loses the plot a little bit, tries to go for the ball, so he bumps in his own nine. They drop it, and Relax just picks it up and scores. So all of a sudden, they've done nothing, but they score 14 points pre- almost pretty much back-to-back, and then they're back in business. I think there was one one point difference or two-point difference or something like that. So you're like, oh, surely they can't win that one. It's not possible. And then La Rochelle score one or two, and then concede a stupid try by letting, letting them play in the blind side. So a, a bit of an overall clumsy performance by La Rochelle, but thoroughly dominated from 1 to 80. I'll just remember the extraordinary uh, fans, the, the the general atmosphere. Livoni Botia was a monster. 
he is super, super strong, but bloody hell, he had some great hands. He was going through holes and flicking passes and stuff. And then they've got the Mr. Victor Vito, who was just you know, making it look too easy. At one point, he picks up a ball that's static on the floor. Just his one hand just goes... Like with a ventouse, you know, so that like a sucker just sucks it up, whatever, starts running and then flicks it like that. There's not two guys. And he looks like Michael Jordan. You know, whenever you look at those last dance and stuff, and Michael Jordan is handling the ball with one hand, it looks teeny weeny. But that's that's how he makes a rugby ball look. So he, he was incredibly good. He was all over the place. He got a proper cheer. It's a monument of of La Rochelle, of world rugby, but also of the last four or five years of La Rochelle, who, who's going to leave at the end of the season. And he got a huge cheer. So great game, dominated. Montpellier never really standard a chance. La Rochelle need to play better than that, though, because... Are they big? They're fast. They've got Saint-Zel, they've got Jules Fabre, they've got Botia, they've got some incredible play. Le Leeds and uh, Raymond Roule played really well, but they've got to be able to control a game because Racing are a step uh, above Montpellier, but the same way that La Rochelle are a proper step above Sale Sharks for Racing. Right. We will look ahead to the Champions Cup semi-finals shortly, but it's about time we did our meter moment of the week, isn't it? So have you got one for us, Benji? <sighs> um, I've got a few, to be fair. You have to mention uh, the Arendelle try, yes. uh, Toulon London Irish, just 118 meters in total. They were talking to him up before the game. I was like, who the hell is that? So I was nodding. Oh, yeah, yeah, Arendelle, yeah, from Irish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no clue. N- n- never even heard of, of him. I actually pronounced his, his name wrong and stuff. And uh, who was it? Greg Doyle, the presentator, was telling me that Connor or she obviously knows a few things, said that he's the best player he's ever seen in his career. He said he is the rawest, most incredible talent he hasn't ever seen. I was like, come on, surely that's a little bit over exaggerated, uh, you know, because he's not English qualified. He's not English qualified. He is not English um, uh, capped yet. So there, I think he's got some Irish blood and maybe some Scott and whatever. Everybody's looking at him. Welsh as well, Scottish and Welsh. There you go. So it's, it's, it's the grand slam of everything. <laughs> and I'm sure, and I'm sure France will try to convince him to do something. <laughs> but then, mate, he came under the rain quarterfinal of Challenge Cup in Toulon under pressure and he scores a hundred meter try. I mean, he's got, he's got quads of, he's quadzilla for sure. And he runs like, like, like the wind and he backs himself to the moon. So I don't know, huge, hugely impressive, but I will actually give, I said all this for the change guy. <laughs> no, yeah, I, in my mind, because I, I, I am harsh enough on him to tell that when he's class, he's class. And Tenny Thomas try is just oh. out of this world. He's in the air. He, he kicks it forward whilst dancing almost on the line. And I don't think there's two guys in the world that can do this at the moment. No. It was probably Serevi in the good old days or Carlos Spencer or whatever and Teddy Toma at the moment. And he's just he's just out of this world. So my, Teddy, my, my meter moment for the effort, I would have given it for Arendelle, but just for the, the, the class, the magic, for the magic, it has to be Teddy Toma. I can't argue. So I had Arendelle as well because Arendelle, I did a lot of his games in under 26 nations as well this year. And he's a freak show. Like he did the exact same against Scotland. I know it's a different level playing against under 20 Scotland side on the back pitches of Murrayfield, but to go and do what he did against Toulon at Toulon at European level, the kid's 19. And like, he's got this freakish ability to run full tilt and change direction at the same time. It makes it look effortless, but that was one hell of a finish. And also to, to dust like Emmerich Luke and Gabin Villiers, you won't see many better in Europe or in the world this year. That was absolutely freakish. And he was my first option. My second option was Teddy Thomas as well. So we'll go with Teddy Thomas. But again, the speed of thought, the skill set, the agility, the swift thinking to be able to do all of that in a fair swoop and stay in field and then finish, mind-blowing. So I agree, Benji, the meter moment of the week, Teddy Tomat, his performance and a wonder try. There we go. That was Benji and Johnny's meter moment of the week. And meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer, recently making over 11 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven or in a pan and you can get your hands on one at meter.com. Plus, we've upped the stakes, and you can now get 20% off any full-price item. All you have to do is enter the code FRENCHPOD20 at checkout. That's FRENCHPOD20, and you get 20% off any full-price item at meter.com. And before we get into the semifinals, summer is coming. Benji, Johnny's got you sorted with some beers. Hello. 
I love these. I have that. You love these as well. And they, they'll be landing at your doorstep fairly soon, Benji. We've ordered you a pallet. Um, but they've quickly become my favorite beers. And I'm delighted we partnered up with them. So whether you're out watching some sport or watching at home um, or summer barbecue, Days really is a beer for all occasions and they are top drawer. Yep. Days is a new breed of alcohol-free beer created for those who want to do more. Proudly brewed in Johnny's native Scotland using locally sourced ingredients, their beers are 0.0% ABV and low calorie. And they're now a B Corp certified company committing 2% of all sales to charities that empower fresh thinking towards mental health. Brewed for good times, good days and good tomorrows. You can enjoy all the great moments associated with a cold beer just without the side effects. And with over 700 five-star reviews, it tastes great too. So just head over to daysbrewing.com and use the code RugbyPass15 to get 15% off a case. Right, semi-final time. Last season was the first time in 16 years that there were three French teams in the semi-finals. It's happened again. Leon Toulon as well in the Challenge Cup. Is it high salary cap that's doing it? That's what everyone says. Is there more to it than that? I think it's a combination, mate. I, I mean, I think that helps. And I think it's going to get harder for the English side's certainly in Europe next year because they're being reduced to a 5 million salary cap. But French teams at the minute, like you take Racing, for example, the mix of young talent that they've got coming through, whether it's a, a Spring, Diallo, Le Garek, the French talent that's coming through at the minute and is being nurtured is next level. And I think that is the honest, the reality of where we are at the minute. The French kids coming through are standing up and they haven't had the game time um, over the past 10 seasons. But now, GIF rules have shifted and we're seeing a new generation that is really exciting. Yes, there's also the salary cap and they have the best budgets to capture the best foreign talent. But as it stands, um, French sides are leading the way. And Benji, can Toulouse do it all over again in Dublin? Or is it going to be a step too far against Leinster? Uh, it's a tough one. It's a tough one because on, on the day, if there's one team that can upset anybody anywhere, it's them, right? Um, but Leinster, Leinster are no fun. <laughs> they are no fun. <laughs> I saw, fun. I saw, oh my! I saw their game against Leicester. They just dominated. They, they don't make you know. They don't leave you the slightest chance of. Oh, Leicester up top of the Premiership. They're smoking everyone. It's gonna be World for draw. It's gonna be always in a twenty nil halftime. They're 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 ruthless. They're absolutely ruthless. They know that it's competition inside out. They've got a ton more, uh, a ton more. They've got a little bit more experience. Uh, as a whole, they just seem to be on, on top of their game at the moment. Uh, Gibson Park, whoo, who the hell is this guy? Bloody hell, he's been on fire. I thought he was like a replacement nine for 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 Ireland. I don't think, I don't see anybody's going to take that shirt off him for a while now if he keeps on going that way. He he was breathtaking. So I I think maybe the hunger is also on their side. They haven't won the Six Nations with Ireland. They haven't won Champions Cup last year. So, you know, it's always a little bit easier to be, to be, to have that extra edge about you. I think Toulouse, unfortunately, have got a couple of injuries. Uh, they went to overtime. You know, just, there's a couple of things that are just not great for them. They need to travel back, come back. Whereas, you know, Leinster were there and then they can be there for the week. I don't know. I, I just see it as being maybe just a mountain too big, but. Like I said to you, if there's one team that can beat anybody, anytime, any day, anywhere, it's 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 Toulouse. So it, all I know is is going to be one incredible game. And I'd like to add, Toulouse absolutely running on fumes, and Leinster the quickest, hardest team to defend against in Europe. I would say at the minute, the way they play, the speed with which they play, and the way they shift the point of contact so hard to nail down. But like you said, Benji, if there's one team that can overturn the odds and pull a rabbit out of the hat, it's Toulouse. But I think we would both agree that this weekend, Leinster wins that game as favourites. They're turning the ball over a lot, aren't they? Do yeah. they have to play it a slightly different way to beat Leinster? Well, I think like Peter mentioned earlier, I think they'll do the review and it will be it will be inward looking. I think they'll do a lot of self-analysis. And like from that game, there was a lot of, a little bit of sluggishness, which you can lend fatigue, a little bit of a lack of looking after ball on the deck and sloppiness with simple things like ball presentation and um, slow to come around the corner and off themselves in attack. So like, I think the forwards will get a kick up the backside. Like they'll know it's hard, but they'll demand more because they'll have to be, I mean, the, the mentally they've got their game structure. They've got the templates. They play the way they play. But I think in terms of energy on field, they're going to have to find something from somewhere if they're going to compete this weekend. And I think that'll be their big focus is energy getting around that corner making it difficult for Leinster in the collision area, not allowing them to jack all the way that old um, Mahoney was allowed to, not allowing Leinster to have opportunities to contest, but starving them a ball. 
as well as other things. Because once you let Leinster have time on the ball and the ball's in play for a long time, you're chasing shadows. That will be the really hard part from this weekend. So a lot to work on uh, and they'll really have to lift their performance if they're going to win in Dublin. And Racing Larochelle in Longs, we mentioned where it is earlier on. How big a factor is that? And how does that one break down tactically, Benji? Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be a tough one for, for Racing. Uh, I think the odds are a little bit stacked against them. Um, I think they're particularly worried. Like Yannick Nyanga told me this morning, it's it's a big ask. But Noel Logarak at the moment is on fire. Uh, Kamisha was, was the bruising Kamisha that we haven't seen for a while. They've got the will, they've got the experience, they've got Vakatawa who's coming back, they've got Gail Fiku who's still on absolute fire. I, um, I'm scared about the, the, the power that, that La Rochelle can bring. So let's see if big Will Skelton is back. Let's see if Victor Vico can pull out another big performance. It's also the first time, I think, in history that you have a quarter followed by a semi straight after. Normally, you always have a couple of weeks in between, right? So we well, don't really know how teams are going to cope with that. Uh, backing it up their performance so it's possible that a team basically you know just underperforms massively because they just can't repeat but I, I if I had to pick a team I would pick La Rochelle but I'm, I'm, I'm a very the smallest margin um, just purely for their, their their striking power in the forwards linked with an attacking capacity at the moment that is just relentless and also the venue is a strange one because it's really considered a neutral venue but like the weird thing being in La Defense Arena is there aren't that many fans there. That That's the honest thing is that there isn't that big a support. So it will feel like a home game with a massive support for La Rochelle. The other thing tipping in their favour, again, just the physical aspects. We talked about it earlier, but the Racing scrum, how that really creaked and struggled against Sale. You think that's a real bread and butter piece for La Rochelle at the minute. Um, the other bit that worried me for Racing was line out. But then in terms of line out, La Rochelle don't really compete. They normally leave Will Skelton down the front, so the front of line out is open to be taken. Um, so they should get the ability to get ball back and, and attack. But just, I think when you see how well-oiled La Rochelle is or are as a machine at the minute as a team collectively, they, again, just like Toulouse, they, they've got the ability to shift and go to other levels. And I'm not sure as a collective Racing quite have that. I think as a backline at the minute, you don't seem any better, but my, my worry is, is up front and the physicality. So that's where I just see La Rochelle edging this game. So I think for me, it would look like a La Rochelle-Leinster final. And a quick word on the Challenge Cup, two Anglo-French semi-finals, but both at home for the French side. So how do you see them going? Really tough one for Toulon. It's the worst draw basically for them to get Saracens who are hungry for it, uh, who are relentless, who put 40 points on, on Gloucester. But but Toulon have decided it was going to be one of their targets in, since the beginning of the season because the finals in Marseille. You know, for the symbolic of you know playing at home and then playing 15 minutes away from home. So, but it's definitely the worst possible uh, draw that they could have got. But it's fair to say that if you beat Saracens, that you're going to be favourites whoever whoever you face in the final. So, are they going to be, another question another for another team? Are they going to be able to back up after a bruising encounter in front of London Irish, who, without being disrespectful to Irish? was probably harder than they thought it would be. Played well. We're really dominated for the first 20 and they really had to put it, put everything they had in their, put their backs into it to uh, to step up in the second half. So, wow. I'd love to see Toulon do it with passion. My heart will stay Toulon. My mind is saying that Saracens are just too good uh, and that will be, that will be a tough one. Another one, Leon Wasp, Benji, again, like I watched a bit of Leon against Glasgow last week and like Glasgow took them right to the wires. Well, I was really surprised. Um, and Leon just had enough to get over the line. I haven't seen much of Wasps, like hand on heart, so I can't really comment. But Leon, again, just with the size, the physicality, should they overpower a Wasp side? The upfront isn't massive. It could be a domination. But again, I think I've seen two of the Wasps games this year. And again, when they settle, they've actually been very good. They were disastrous last season, but this year much improved. So like, I think I would agree with you. I think the Saracens will pit Toulon, but I would stick a little wager on Leon turning over Wasps and making it to a final. And before we go, there's a few little bits of news we should have a brief chat about. Speaking of Toulon, they've made a couple more signings, haven't they, Johnny, for next season? And yeah. there might be an all-black prop on the way to Montpellier as well. Yeah, so Jeremy Sanzel, who seems to be um, attracting attention from everywhere because um, he's pretty much like a Swiss army knife, can play everywhere in the in the back line. Um, he's moving from La Rochelle. And Benoit Payog, my old teammate at Montpellier as well, La Paille, the straw, um, you can bench press about 60 kilos, <laughs> the young fella. So he's making the, the move down to Toulon as well. So a bit of change in historic as well from Montpellier, losing Fufu, Fulgian Sodrago, Benoit Payog, 
uh, Killian Galatier as well. He's moving down to Perpignan. It's just been announced. So loads of movement on Montpellier um, and a lot of the old guard changing. Um, and yeah, you mentioned all black prop. That's not been confirmed yet, but Carl Tunacuafi moving down to Montpellier. Um, but yeah, he'd be a massive addition to Montpellier as well, especially with big Momo Huas probably away much of the time with international rugby. But again, it'd be a strange one for the All Black. I think he's got something like 20-odd caps. That would basically sign the end of his All Black career and mean that he wasn't sticking his hand up for the World Cup in 2023, which would be a big call. And Benji, he is made for France. So he, he was at Narbonne before and he said he came back to rugby to lose weight because he was 170 kilos at one point. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to love France. My man, did I, uh, again, I'm going to shift completely different story. Did I ever, ever tell you the story of <laughs> Malika Madash that Thomas Domingo told me? Malika Madash is that massive pro who, I can't remember where he, I think he signed for Argent next year, but he was in Po and Montpellier and Albi and all those guys. It's just a huge, <laughs> he's, he's funny to watch because he's, he's tall, he's massive. And I remember doing a game, I think it was against Saracens actually, it's like a Saracens Po game, well, come on, whatever. <laughs> and I'm over in Po and I speak to my mate Doming and I was like, mate, I just saw Mali Kamalash coming out. The pandemic has been tough on him, that lockdown, mate, he looks massive. He's like, no, no I've got a good story for you. He's like, this guy, is, he, he is like 150 kgs or something, pre-tax. And, and the, during the, the pandemic, they all had to fa- film themselves and train from home and, you know, take their weight and stuff. And he's like, mate, we told him, if you come back 100, uh, under 145 kgs or equal, then, you know, I don't know what it was. Like, you'll have a bonus and you can play and I count on you, whatever it was. And this poor fellow apparently trained really hard. He was videoing himself and sending it to everyone and all this. And that. everybody was cheering him, Malik, Malik. He's a really, everybody loves him in the change room. And he comes back at the club and he's 146 kgs. Oh. Oh, you know, it's a bit harsh and stuff. And apparently the coach looks at him and says, right, you're in the fight club. And just bollocked him. And the guy's like, what? Took it so badly. He was really, really pissed off. Three weeks later, there's like a second lockdown of where it was. Everybody gets home, sent home. He comes back <laughs> at 162.5 kgs yes. for the next <laughs> next bit of training. As I don't think I think we lost him there, mate. I think we lost him. And that that game was like two weeks after, and he had to come off the bench because there was nobody else. And I swear to you, I've never seen a guy. He ran for about nine seconds in that game. He came on, he did one sprint, and then he was walking. He, he rolled up. Oh, man, he was like a human piano. Well, not even a piano. He's like a human uh, locker room. He was just massive. He was a fridge. He was whatever he wanted to say. But I thought it was funny. The guy said, what? You're going to stuff me for one kgs? There you go. I'll just put on 20 Ks now. See if that see if that helps. So zero link to Carl. And they're not related, by the way, Malik and Carl, right? <laughs> it may Just as well be. Big fellas. No link, but big fellas. We love it. That's why he loved it in France. We wish him all the best. Absolutely. And another big fella, not quite 170 kilos or 160 or 146, but Mathieu Bastere, you both know him. <laughs> He's not, you wanted to come on this pod and I speak about Malik and And then you speak about Mathieu and you're like, another guy that's not. He's never coming. He's never Mathieu, coming. Too late. Not he, also, he's never coming. <laughs> and he's, he's going to find your house life. and come and kill you. I'll tell you. He's in the shape of his life at the minute as well. So shame on you, Tim. <laughs> shame. <laughs> oh, he's such an eat-ass, Johnny. You haven't seen him, I think, recently, but oh well. I call him in Edinburgh. Mate, he's as mean <laughs> as he's ever been, honestly. <laughs> Matteo, if you're listening, the keyword there was not, not 170 kilos. <laughs> Why are you sweating? Why are you sweating? <laughs> is he, if he is in the shape of his life, Johnny, is he carrying on or is he going to hang up his boots? Because there are some rumours floating around that he might go into coaching in the youth setup in Toulon. Maybe it was something we talked about during the Six Nations and the idea had been floated. So whether he's made that decision or not, I don't know, but... I knew that I know that they want him to go back, which would be cool. It'd be a great transition if he's had enough of playing or if he wants to move. Um, fair play. He's had one hell of a career. So if that's what he wants to do, he'd be awesome at it. Good dude. So fair play. Benji, you know much better than I do. How would you see him as a coach? For the young boys, he'd be a mentor, mate. He'd be a mentor. Listen, for, exactly. So I, I hope that he would be that psychological support because he's someone that he's, he's a he's a guy that had to front up to a ton of pressure his whole career, like a ton of it, and he had to build this big uh, grizzly bear attitude 
who would growl at the press, who would growl at people. We actually, he's the nicest guy you will ever meet with a big old heart. And he, he, he's got a bit of this, I wouldn't say childish, but he's got this child in, inside him. Definitely that he, so he, he's a, he, I, I could see him being gentle, being kind, being uh, with a lot of empathy for kids and stuff. I don't think technically he will teach them anything. That's what I'm trying to say. That's why I don't see him as a coach. But I think he would be a fantastic sort of big brother figure for all those mentor. guys. To give them confidence, get them a mentor, exactly. Especially on the sort of the psychological safety, psychological things out of it. And he will be very good at that. And there are some rumors doing the rounds that Eddie Jones might be being lined up to take over at Racing after the 2023 World Cup. Can you see that happening? And how do you reckon he'd get on in France and the top 14? <laughs> Man, when you see that Fabien Galti got slapped, that Christophe Soyos is you know, threatening <laughs> people, that uh, Ronan Ogara is about to get killed, Eddie Jones will not last very, very long on the bench in France without good old Christophe Soyos. <laughs> hey, Eddie, eh? try it, eh? try it, Eddie, eh? try it. Eh? I think he's going to get slapped, but no, I don't know. I think he would love it. I think he would bring a lot actually to a club. I don't, funnily enough, I don't see him fitting at, at Racing. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but um, but he, he's a world class coach who knows his stuff. Obviously, um, things are not going fantastically right in England, but I think he's been there for for a while. And who, whatever club organization has him, if he's decided to to come with, you know, with sort of an open mind and ready to embrace the culture, then they would be lucky to have him. That's a big if. That's oh, the yeah. thing. It's like it's an if. I'm like when you see how hard and how he has essentially blown up all of his coaching staffs, right? And if you see like Dylan Hartley talk about how intense it is. And that's just international rugby. Could you imagine having a dude like that in club rugby yeah. in France 24-7? Oof. I'm not sure how it would go down. Um, but yeah, good luck to him. Good luck to Rassling if that's what they decide to do. But I, I'm not sure they know what they're letting themselves in for. We will watch this space. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Benji. And a big thanks to Peter Aki for joining us as well. Thanks to all you guys for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can as well. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, guys. Cheers. See you, boys. Bye.